It's April 29th. You're listening to the President's Daily Brief. I'm your host and former CIA officer, Brian Dean Wright. Your morning intel starts now. Before we start, a quick reminder to those new to the show. The brief you're about to hear is in the same spirit of the actual President's Daily Brief, which is a top-secret summary of the most critical events in the past 24 hours, all delivered to the President each day by the nation's spymasters. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I am your spy, and this is your brief. Here's what we're going to be talking about this morning. First up, Ukraine. American intelligence and weaponry has shot down a Russian transport plane, killing hundreds of Russian troops. It happened a while back, and we're just now learning the details. We'll talk about the implications of that story and where this arc of escalation is headed. Your second brief, doctors in Colorado are now being asked to disclose their sexual orientation to the state and to their patients. We'll talk about why and whether this is a good idea. As always, I'm keeping an eye out for developing stories. Put this one on your radar. The Mexican workers who assemble our General Motor pickup trucks, well, they want a raise. They're currently getting $3 an hour. I'll explain why this story is important to you. All up next on the President's Daily Brief. Your first piece of intel this morning, some very big stories out of Ukraine that directly affect you. First, we're learning fresh details of rumors that I've long heard. Back at the start of the war in Ukraine, U.S. intelligence agencies provided the Ukrainian fighters the intel and weapons to shoot down a Russian transport plane. That plane was full of hundreds of Russian troops. They all died on impact. The troops were to be deployed around Kiev in a fight for that city, and now we know why they never arrived. Vladimir Putin now knows that too. The reporter who broke this story, by the way, is someone I know who has very good sources inside the CIA, so I give this reporting high confidence. And now that we're learning of greater, more direct involvement of the U.S. killing Russian soldiers, we also have this. Joe Biden is asking for another $33 billion in aid this morning for Ukraine, mostly in military equipment, some humanitarian assistance, also more money to help keep the Ukrainian economy afloat by, for instance, paying the salaries of their government workers. For what it's worth, we don't actually have a spare $33 billion. We'll be issuing debt to pay for it. Meanwhile, Congress also just passed a bill that will allow Joe Biden to send the Ukrainian military any weapon in the U.S. arsenal, except for nuclear weapons. The new law, called the Ukrainian Democracy Defense Lend-Lease Act of 2022, passed the House by a 417-10 to margin three weeks after it sailed through the Senate with unanimous support. As soon as Joe Biden signs the bill, he and the Pentagon can send whatever weaponry they want to Kiev or any other European nation that's been impacted by this war. Doesn't mean he will, but he has been authorized to do so. Combine all of this with my previous briefs to you on the Biden administration saying its goal in Ukraine is for a weak Russia, not just to help the Ukrainians defend themselves. That and Joe Biden saying that Vladimir Putin must be removed. That was back in March. I don't think you need to be a former spy to see where this arc is taking us. We are undeniably in an all-but-declared war with Russia. At present, both sides are taking covert shots at each other to include shooting down planes with troops inside. By the way, there's more going on than what we're being told. I can't share the details that I know, but I'll simply say that our military and intel personnel are very active in the region these days. In time, I suspect some of that will be made public. But that's the point of this first brief, ladies and gentlemen. Whether you know it or not, the escalation of America's involvement in Ukraine is real. And whether you think that's good or bad, this president needs to be candid with you and the risks involved. 
Now, right now, those risks don't seem very real. For most of us, it just feels like we're sticking up for the kid who's being picked on. We're, we're supporting the, the righteous cause of stopping an aggressor. I suspect that's why a recent poll found that 73% of us support the U.S. providing arms shipments to Ukraine. That's up from 68% a month ago. And yet those same polls show virtually no support for sending in U.S. troops. In fact, only 13% of you want U.S. boots on the ground to fight the Russians. But there's a disconnect there. The more weapons we send, the $33 billion new dollars, the, the Lend-Lease Act authorizing Biden to send quite literally anything he wants, well, that only increases the odds that we'll have to commit troops. And, and so as you think about that, I'd encourage you to lean on history. For instance, when and where else have we seen this or something like it? I'm going to encourage you to think back to the 1960s. In May of 1961, President Kennedy sent in 400 Green Berets to begin conducting secret missions against the Viet Cong. There was a great fear that Southeast Asia would be overrun by communists. The argument that people made was that the Soviet Union and China wouldn't just stop with Vietnam any more than Hitler stopped as he snatched up parts of Europe. So better that we hold them off in Vietnam. We hear that same language today. Putin wants part or all of Europe, so better that we stop him in Ukraine. Well, back in January of 1963, we escalated and our troops and advisors began to become deeply enmeshed in that Asian conflict. And a year later, in August of 1964, Congress passed the Gulf of Tonkin Resolution that made it clear that we were indeed involved officially in the Vietnam War. Now, there are differences between these conflicts in Vietnam and Ukraine. But what I want you to think about, what I encourage you to consider, is the escalatory nature of those two conflicts. It starts with isolated covert action, like secret advisors to South Vietnam or shooting down a Russian transport plane with special intelligence. And then we increase the number of those advisors and add lots of weapons and training, just like we've done in Ukraine and just like we did for the government of South Vietnam. Now, what we haven't seen, yet anyway, is a major event that officially draws us in. In 1964, it was the sinking of the USS Maddox. By the way, it turns out that the North Vietnamese didn't actually sink our ship, by the way. Regardless, it gave the push for Congress to authorize an all-out war, and the American people were solidly behind it. So my counsel to you is to consider where we are in that escalating arc of conflict, and perhaps more importantly, how to assess what comes next. Now, I don't have a crystal ball to give you the exact answer, but in the world of spies, it's about playing the odds, about probability, about degrees of confidence that something will or won't happen. And what I see is two things. On one hand, we have an aggressive Russia, their economy battered but holding, increasingly desperate for a win, taking on dramatically more casualties and damaged equipment than it ever imagined, and, of course, knowing that the U.S. and Europe want regime change. On the other hand, there is a United States that truly hates Russia, that's authorizing tens of billions of dollars in advanced weaponry and intelligence. We are shooting down Russian planes and secret operations. And as of yesterday, we gave the president a blank check to send quite literally any weapons that he or the Pentagon wants to the war zone. So while I don't know what will happen, the odds of this thing ending peacefully between the U.S. and Russia are decreasing. The probability of war is increasing. And I am sorry to say that I lack the confidence to look into your eyes or speak into your ears and 
tell you that truthfully, you won't have to send your children off to a new war, just eight months after we left the last one. Instead, all that I can say to you is this. May God be with us. These last few years have not been easy on our economy, and with tax season finally arriving, there will be millions of hardworking people and businesses that could struggle even more due to the IRS working against them and pocketing profits for themselves. America First Tax Group can help put an end to your worries. Just one phone call to 800-431-5684, and you'll be in touch with America First Tax Group, a full-service tax company that'll fight the IRS's predatory tactics and put you on the path to financial freedom. Their experts can help you or your business with any tax-related problems you may have, from dealing with your back taxes to granting you access to tax relief and much more. Don't wait. Get in touch with America First Tax Group today by calling 800-431-5684. That's 800-431-5684. Or visit AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com slash Tucker. Again, 800-431-5684 or AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com slash Tucker. Hey, everybody. Let's talk cigars. Now, today's journey begins in the fertile soils where the finest tobacco is nurtured, cultivated, and harvested with meticulous care. It's a marriage of premium Nicaraguan and Connecticut shade tobaccos. They're blended together, and frankly, the rest is history. Now, of course, I'm talking about the Charter Oak Cigar by the Foundation Cigar Company. Foundation Cigar Company is where passion meets craftsmanship, and old-world traditions are mixed with modern-day styles. I first heard about Foundation Cigars from Joe Rogan, and, as usual, he was right. These guys know exactly what they're doing. Their cigars are unique, and they're laser-focused on quality. Nick, the founder, is recommending the Charter Oak Cigar. It's great for the most seasoned cigar lover or for the casual enthusiast. It's smooth, medium-bodied, with notes of cedar, spice, and a subtle sweetness. How's that for a description? So, when was the last time you had a cigar? Well, maybe you're a regular, or you're just looking to change things up. Go down to your local shop, grab a couple Charter Oaks by Foundation Cigar. Their website is foundationcigarcompany.com, or, like I said, they're sold in cigar shops around the country. Look, anybody who's sat around the fire pit enjoying an excellent cigar and a tasty beverage knows exactly what I'm talking about. Maybe you're on the golf course, or frankly, at this time of year, you've just finished a day of skiing. Perhaps you're sitting on the porch with your buddies, or you're playing poker. It's the perfect time to light up a Charter Oak Cigar from Foundation Cigar Company. Your second brief this morning, we're going to shift gears from an intense international story to a peculiar domestic one. And my goodness, it is both strange and worth your consideration. The state of Colorado is asking insurers who offer certain Obamacare plans to collect demographic information on both healthcare professionals and enrollees, folks like you and I. Now, the information that they want, which would be collected and stored and used by the state government in Denver, would include race ethnicity, disability status, sexual orientation, and gender identity. The stated goal of collecting all that information is to build a, a list of what they call culturally responsive doctors and providers. The hope is that people like you and me can then pick and choose the specific race or sexual orientation of our doctors based on our particular desires. Their reason or rationale for doing this, at least allegedly, is that there is data that says that if you feel like your doctor is in your tribe, they're a woman or they're gay or whatever you may be, then you're more apt to tell that doctor things that you might otherwise be embarrassed about or not say at all. 
And that, of course, would put your health in danger. At least that was the idea behind this collection of demographic information, until a bunch of Colorado doctors said, all right, hold up. Physician groups expressed profound privacy concerns, saying that maybe a doctor doesn't want people in their community to know particularly who they are. Other doctors, meanwhile, took exception to people choosing them based on the color of their skin and not their ability to, well, practice good medicine. So the state reluctantly opted to make reporting of the demographic data by doctors voluntary and confidential. In other words, insurers can ask doctors for the information, but doctors don't have to tell. And then whatever data the insurers eventually collect, well, they promise to only report it to the state in aggregate, meaning the insurer might say, all right, yes, in the city of Arvada, we have X number of doctors who are black or gay, etc. But they won't tell the state specific doctor names or their specific practice names. So clearly this plan created some degree of controversy in Colorado. But the Biden administration, however, caught wind of it, and they really like it. As part of a new federal health equity initiative, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services recently announced that after exploring this Colorado program, that it too would like to collect this same kind of demographic data across all related Medicare and Medicaid federal programs. Ladies and gentlemen, that covers over 150 million people. So if you're enrolled in those programs, either as a doctor or a patient, they want to know and document your, your race and ethnicity, what language you speak, your sexual orientation, your gender identity, your disability, you name it. And then they want to put all of that on a government list with the timeline, the details of exactly how that would work to be developed in the coming months. So ladies and gentlemen, we now start to ask the tough questions because if you were the president, I would encourage you to exercise some caution here. First, anytime any government starts building lists of citizens based on immutable characteristics, whether you're black or white or gay or straight or disabled or able-bodied, well, that makes me nervous. Because with that sort of information, the government then has a lot of data to use for its advantage, and sometimes for its political advantage. Let's take an example from our recent COVID pandemic. Do you recall when the state of New York prioritized black and Hispanic people for COVID treatments? They didn't have enough pills for everybody, so those with certain skin pigment got it, while others, namely white folks, didn't. All because of, quote, health equity, which is the same language used by the Medicare and Medicaid folks to justify their interest in collecting all this new data. Now, in this New York case, there was no grand list to be checked. You just walked up to the clinic counter tried to get the COVID pills, and then depending on your skin color, you got them or not. But the point is that with a list, the government can make that process much more efficient. And if that's to help people, well, great. But it can be easily weaponized to persecute, to marginalize, and in the extreme, to kill. Second, there's also the issue of cybersecurity and privacy. The state of Colorado and, and likely the federal government are going to build a list of millions of people with specific names and contact information, and then the very sensitive demographic data. So we should probably ask some questions about this, like, can that information that they collect be sold? And if so, to whom and for what purpose? And can you opt out? And if the government makes a mistake and releases information about you, perhaps even incorrect information, and then that in turn causes you damage or distress, what's the recourse? 
And if there is no real protocol to figure that out, can people actually afford lawyers to pursue justice? And then we have the issue of hacking. If that information gets stolen, that government information suddenly disappears and it's some sort of cyber attack, what happens then? Let's talk about a specific example. In 2015, China hacked the servers of the Office of Personnel Management. At first, the government claimed that only 4.5 million people were affected only. But subsequent investigations showed it was 22 million people. Now, for those folks, it was their applications for a security clearance that were taken. Applications that listed medical ailments and prescription drugs, relationship histories, any use of therapists or counselors. All of that now sits in communist China. By the way, if you were a victim of that 2015 attack, the only thing you got from the federal government was a modest apology and an encouragement to watch your credit score for a while. And that brings us to the final question that I would encourage you to think about if you were the president. And that's a question of politics and morality. Do we want to encourage each other to pick our doctors based on the color of their skin? I understand that some of us would feel more comfortable, say, as a woman choosing a female OBGYN. I got it. But at what point do we cross an ethical line where we're actually encouraging tribalism? where black people only see black doctors, or gay people only see gay doctors, and, and so on. Whatever the gain might be from that, we have to acknowledge that these kinds of programs in Colorado and the federal government encourage a very real cost. We incentivize and normalize the fear of talking to those who are different. And when you live in a country such as ours, that's a problem. We have long celebrated being a melting pot. I mean, our national motto is quite literally out of many, one, e pluribus unum. So whatever your opinion on this issue might be, ladies and gentlemen, it seems clear to me that creating lists of black doctors and gay doctors or disabled doctors runs a very real risk of creating very real problems and very real divisions. So I encourage you to ask yourselves this morning whether all those risks are worth the gain. Do you have a will or a trust? It can be scary to think about death, but not having a plan in place if something happens is far scarier. Thanks to trust and will, you don't have to navigate the complicated and confusing process of estate planning alone. They make it accessible, affordable, and way easier than you thought it could be. Trust and Will walks you through the whole process step by step. Each will or trust is state specific, and you can customize it to your own needs, including guardianship, healthcare preferences, power of attorney, and final arrangements. You'll have easy access and control of all your estate planning documents in one convenient place with bank level encryption. And you'll reduce the burden on loved ones by helping them avoid complicated probate proceedings and family disagreements, all starting at just $199. Join hundreds of thousands of families and protect your loved ones with Trust and Will. Get 10% off plus free shipping of your state plan documents at trustandwill.com mike. That's trustandwill.com mike. In today's market, you may just decide to make your current house home sweet home for just a bit longer. I mean, with interest rates higher, staying in your current home, well, it looks a lot more attractive. But are your aging appliances in it for the long haul as well? It's an important question to consider and to be prepared for unexpected expense when that refrigerator, the dishwasher, your water heater, or some other system in the house decides to tag out early. That's where American Home Shield comes in. With AHS, you can protect what you don't expect, like a leaky faucet or a faulty water heater. 
This gives you more control when parts of covered appliances or home systems break, so an unexpected bill doesn't break the bank. Choose a plan that works for you and your budget, and then it's simple. When a covered item in your home breaks, just contact American Home Shield, and their trusted, qualified pros will fix or replace it based on the coverage limits in your agreement. Right now, you can take $50 off. Go to ahs.com slash Mike now to save $50. That's ahs.com slash Mike for $50 off any plan. American Home Shield. Protect what you don't expect. See ahs.com slash contracts for coverage details, including limit amounts, fees, limitations, and exclusions. As always, I'm watching a few other stories this morning. Put this one on your radar. To all of my pickup truck owners, especially if you've purchased a Chevy Silverado or GMC Sierra, listen up. Odds are your vehicle was made in Mexico, specifically in a factory in the city of Salayo, Mexico. The General Motors plant there churns out the highly popular pickups for delivery into the United States. Now, the workers there are unionized, and they've decided they want a pay bump. Their current wage? $3 an hour. Yes, you heard me correctly. That's $3 an hour. They're asking to make 6 bucks an hour, give or take. GM says that's too much. The workers have set a deadline for May 31st to come up with a settlement of some kind, or they strike. Folks, I'm watching this story this morning for a couple of reasons. First, we talk a lot about bringing jobs back from China or Mexico. Now, if we do so, workers here are likely going to demand a livable wage. In the auto industry, that's around 18 bucks an hour, give or take. So the question is, how many companies are going to be willing to bring back those factories and jobs if they're going to have to go from paying 3 bucks an hour to 18 after all, GM is already throwing a, a fit, frankly, at the prospect of paying 6 bucks an hour. For what it's worth, a Chevy Silverado will run you anywhere from $50,000 or up, which is a bit remarkable, knowing that these vehicles are assembled by people making 3 bucks an hour. But the second issue here is what happens if this union in Mexico gets what they want, or close to it. Observers inside and outside of Mexico are saying that if these folks win, it will set a major precedent for other factories across the auto industry that operate across the Rio Grande. Wages will obviously have to go up, and that could lead to price increases, or loss of profit, maybe both. Or perhaps wages in Mexico start to become so high that American wages don't seem that bad in comparison, and then they move those factories home. I'll keep an eye out for this story, and if you're in a union family or you work in the auto industry, you might want to keep an eye on this story, too. Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes your morning brief. I hope you liked it. And as always, I'd love it if you subscribed or followed or told a friend about the show. The President's Daily Brief is available on all podcast platforms. And by golly, I want you to pick one and click on that follow or subscribe button. And keep sending me emails. I'm loving these. All right, the email address again, pdb at thefirsttv.com. Again, President's Daily Brief or pdb at thefirsttv.com. Just shoot me a note, whatever's on your mind. And with that, my friends, we end the show reminding each other of why we are here, talking about our country and our world. It's the creed of every good spy and every smart American. It's from John chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth, I'll make you free today.
Hey, everyone. Mike Baker here. I tell you what, let's talk phones, or rather, let's talk phone bills. <laughs> yeah, that's exciting, isn't it? I know. But let me give you a tip. If you're with Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile, well, you're overpaying for wireless. But there is a solution. Pure Talk will connect you to the most dependable 5G network in America for half the price of the big names. Now, that's a savings for the average family of almost $1,000 a year. And when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a Samsung 5G phone for free. That's right, I said free. No four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a Samsung phone built to last with a rugged screen, quick-charging battery, and top-tier data security. The qualifying plans start at just $35 a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Just go to puretalk.com baker to claim your free brand-new Samsung 5G smartphone. And start saving on wireless today. Go to puretalk.com slash baker to make the smart switch over to the cell phone company that I count on to save money. Pure Talk. When looking at today's financial environment, it's clear that we're experiencing concerning economic shifts that could impact your retirement savings. We've got stubborn inflation, soaring interest rates, and astronomical debt that could drain their value. Now, the good news is that there is a time-tested way to protect your financial future, and that's gold and silver. American Hartford Gold can ship physical precious metals right to your door, or you can store your precious metals in a tax and penalty-free gold IRA. American Hartford Gold can help shield your wealth from this economic turbulence. Analysts predict that gold is set to hit all-time highs. If you've got retirement funds that you can't afford to lose, now is the time to call American Hartford Gold. They'll show you how to protect your savings and retirement accounts by diversifying your portfolio with physical gold and silver, with amazing customer service and a buyback commitment. They pride themselves on top-tier products, great customer service, and a commitment to customer satisfaction. American Hartford Gold has earned a five-star rating from thousands of reviews and an A-plus from the Better Business Bureau. Use the promo code PDB and they'll give you up to $5,000 of free silver on your first order. So call 866-292-2990 or text PDB to 998899. Again, that's 866-292-2990 or text PDB to 998899.